Good morning. My name is Jeff Frank. I'm one of the elders here, and um, Colin and family are on a much-deserved sabbatical this summer, and a number of us are filling in uh, on, on the preaching this morning. Uh, this morning, I want to start out with a little um, trivia question, <clears throat> and this is about ball golf. So, male professional golfers, who would you say or guess has the most has won the most major golf championships? Major golf championships are the Masters, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the British Open. Who would you say has won the most? Tiger Woods. Any other guesses? Jack Nicklaus. Jack Nicklaus. He won 18 major championships, three more than Tiger Woods. Jack Nicklaus is from Ohio. When he was about 10 years old, he was coached and mentored by a man named Jack Grout. And even at the height of Nicholas's professional career, when he was winning all these tournaments, prior to each season, he would go back to his coach, and they would go over the basics of his golf game. It's reported that um, when uh, Jack Nicholas would approach his coach, he'd like hand out a golf club and say, teach me, Mr. Grout, how to play golf. So this morning, we are similarly going to go back to some basics, basics of the Christian life. We're going to talk about um, exhibiting humility as we relate to one another. Let me open us up in a brief prayer. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you work in us through your word. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Please speak to us through this time. Give us... um, teachable hearts and give us the grace to respond with faith and obedience in your name amen our main passage this morning is first peter 5 5 but i'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 7 just to kind of set the context for us so first peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 if, if you'd like to turn there or scroll there so i exhort the elders among you As a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge of you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And here's our passage that we're going to focus in on. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So this morning we're continuing in our one another series we've been doing this summer as we look at First Peter 5, 5, which states, as we just saw, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. This morning we have a fairly simple outline. We're going to look at what this passage tells us to do, why we are to do it, and then how. How do we practically live this out? So 1 Peter 5.5, we're told to clothe ourselves with humility. 
though, just uh, stop and think in your own mind. How would you define humility? What would be your definition of humility? Just think about that for a moment. Oh, first, let's talk about what humility is not. It's not believing I'm worthless, I'm unimportant, I'm a failure. Humility is not thinking poorly about ourselves or putting ourselves down. The dictionary, def- the dictionary defines humility as a modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance or rank. A modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance or rank. Notice the focus is on the perception of our importance or rank. We can be very good at something. We can be very skilled, talented. We can be successful in some area of life. But in Christ, in the church, that doesn't make us more significant or important than anyone else. Romans 12, 3 uh, says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So here we exhorted not to think more highly of ourselves. Okay, we've talked a little bit about what humility is not. Let's talk about what it is. Humility, in my estimation, is having a biblical view of ourselves rooted in the gospel. And we'll go into more detail about what that means, rooted in the gospel, having a biblical view. But for now, we could summarize it as we're sinners saved by grace. So humility is having a biblical view of ourselves rooted in the gospel. Once we trust Christ and receive God's salvation, each one of us becomes God's dearly loved son or daughter. No more or no less significant than anyone else in the body of Christ. Colossians 3.11 says here, that's in the new creation that we are here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Humility recognizes that we all have equal significance and importance, no matter our nationality, ethnicity, skin color, economic status, spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, or so on. We're all equal and and equally important and significant. Okay, so this passage, we've talked about what humility is. We need to back up a little bit. It says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. What would you say it means to clothe yourselves? What's that mean? How do we do that? What's that mean? Clothe ourselves. Colossians 3.13 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So we see to clothe and to put on, they're really different ways of expressing the same truth. We might say, or in other words, we might say, um, we are to own humility. We're to wear it. It's what should radiate from us. It should be our fragrance as we interact with one another. It's to permeate our hearts and minds. To clothe ourselves with humility is to intentionally choose a mindset and attitude of humility rooted in the truths of the gospel. 1 Peter 5.5, it goes on to tell us to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. 
toward one another. It's referring to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. This letter was written to the church, to, to, to believers. And this passage is emphasizing humility and relating to one another. So we've kind of covered the what, the what in this passage, what are we to do? We're to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. So then we're going to move into the why. Peter tells us why we are to do that. If you have your Bible open or or on your phone, what's the reason given? He says to clothe ourselves with humility. Why? For or because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's a very simple and straightforward reason, isn't it? The word to choose humility. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Similarly, in James uh, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter and James are both kind of loosely quoting Proverbs 3.34, which says, Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. So question, how would you define pride? Just try and formulate a, a definition in your mind. How would you define pride? <clears throat> Excuse me. The dictionary defines pride as the belief that you are better or more important than other people. That's really good, isn't it? The belief that you are better or more important than other people. The heart of pride is thinking that you are more important, or me, or for me, if thinking that I'm more important than somebody else. And let's just say briefly, this isn't talking. This isn't talking about the kind of pride that we have, like when our child graduates from uh, school. You know, oh, I'm so proud of you. It's not talking about that kind of pride. This is referring to a heart attitude um, in which we consider ourselves more significant or more important than others. So how does God respond to pride? What's it say? How does God respond to pride? What he opposes, he opposes the proud. He opposes pride. Though so Jesus similarly uh, taught whoever exalts himself, what will be what? Humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. If I'm proud, if I continually harbor um, an attitude of pride, if that's kind of a habitual in my life, what do you think it would look like for God to oppose me? I'm a Christian. I'm his child. I'm a son of God. What would it look like for God to oppose me? How would that get worked out, do you think? Well, perhaps it's tied into... In Hebrews chapter 12, it, you guys might be familiar with that passage. It talks about God disciplining those whom he loves. I'm just going to read a couple verses from there, sort of the beginning, a beginning verse, and then skip a bunch of verses. I'm going to read um, verse 6. <clears throat> For it says, The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And then skipping ahead to verse 11. For the moment... All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields that peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God opposing me, again, if I'm habitually fostering uh, a mindset and attitude of pride, God opposing me in my pride may mean that I experience some sort of painful discipline from my loving 
heavenly father. The point is, we want to repent and turn away from pride. We don't want to bring God's opposition, right? Um, Well, let me ask another question. I'm full of questions this morning. I hope you guys are awake. Why do you think God has such a strong response to pride? I mean, what is it about pride? What's the big deal about pride? Why do you think God has a strong response to that? Well, perhaps it's because uh, pride elevates and exalts self. Look at me. Look what I've done. Or I look at myself and and conclude I'm better than somebody because I'm more successful in some area. Or I have more talents. Pride exalts and elevates self. Pride looks down at other people because of their perceived faults and struggles. Pride minimizes our dependence on God. Pride tries to cover up weaknesses and failures. And it seeks independence and self-sufficiency. You know, we harbor that thought of, well, I really don't need anyone. I don't need anyone else. And really, I really don't need God, except if I get in a real, real bad trouble. It takes glory away from God where it rightly belongs and seeks to place it on self. Basically, pride is a lie, right? We are not more important or more significant than others. The reality is we all struggle with pride. We all compare ourselves with others at times. I struggle with it, um, especially as I've had time preparing for this message. I'm a little more aware of it. We often measure others by some criteria or standard that we have. And for some of us, pride might be more obvious. We might have a coworker or a family member or friend or something like that, and it's, it's really obvious their, their pride is, is, is plain and clear to see. Um, but uh, all, all of us re- really struggle with that. Um, and it, it, can be, it can be subtle and hard to detect in ourselves, and we need to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, kind of just pricking our conscience a little and, and you know, making us think about, well, what's your attitude toward that person? Um, or, or, or in what way are you thinking about yourself? In contrast to opposing the proud, we see that this verse, it says God opposes the proud, but what? Gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And God helping or providing grace to the humble is a common theme in Scripture. And we just have a few examples of uh, a few verses that that typify that. We have um, Psalm 18.27. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. And the Lord lifts up the humble, but he casts the wicked to the ground. Let me ask you, why do you think God uh, responds so favorably to genuine humility? What do you think? In contrast to pride, humility exalts and elevates God. It acknowledges God's rightful place in our lives. Humility is full of gratitude for God's amazing and undeserved mercy and grace and his many blessings in our lives. Humility lives with an awareness of their dependence on God and upon others. And humility sees others' faults and failures and is mindful of their own faults and failures rather than viewing others as more, as, rather than viewing themselves as more important or better. 
Humility is based on truth, the truth about ourselves and about God. So we see in this verse, this is interesting, we see in this verse that our humility or lack of humility results in God's help or God's opposition. It says, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And again, we, Jesus taught the same thing in a little different way. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, so we've kind of covered the what, the what here uh, about we are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. We've talked about why, why we are to do that. And next and last, we want to talk about how. How do we do this? How do we grow in clothing ourselves with humility? Well, I'd like to kind of touch on two areas. One is kind of developing our mindset or attitude of humility. And then let's talk a little bit about practically living that out. How do we put this in action? Well, to develop a mindset of humility, we need to keep going back to the basics of the gospel. We need to frequently remind ourselves who we were apart from God's grace and mercy. And uh, the scripture reading we had this morning um, that Kimberly read for us, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 5, I'd like to walk through that a little bit together. It's an excellent and helpful passage to bring the truths of the gospel out for us to um, incorporate into our thinking. So I'm going to read that again. You can turn there if you'd like, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. I'd like to read the first three verses, talk about it a little bit, and then we'll uh, read and talk a little bit about verses 4 and 5. Take a drink here for a minute. You guys have never had this experience. We had family visiting with us, and we all got head colds, all of us. Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So whether we knew it or not, prior to trusting Christ, we lived in disobedience to God. We were following the course of this world, which is influenced by Satan. Here he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air. And because of our sin and rebellion, this passage teaches us that we were by nature children of what? children of God's wrath. We were children of God's wrath because of our disobedience and rebellion against him. Colossians 1.21 says that we were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Uh, and so we see, apart from Christ, we were not good people who just needed a little help from God. No, we all had sinned and rebelled against, against a good and loving and holy God. We were all deserving of God's judgment. This is a sobering and unflattering assessment of who we were and what we deserved. 
But the passage continues. Verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So we see we, we owe our salvation to God's rich mercy. Isn't that wonderful how Pusset, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. We owe our salvation to him, his mercy, his love for us. It wasn't because we had something to offer God or because we were good or better than others. On the contrary, um, it, was, it was his initiative. Our salvation was God's initiative. It was his doing. Out of love for us, he initiated, he sent his son to die for us in our place to take that judgment, that wrath that we deserve. And as we know, Christ rose from the dead, defeating sin and death and providing the way of salvation for us. The only way to be reconciled and restored to God, it starts with humility, right? We have to humble ourselves before God, admit we have a need, turn from our sin and trust in Christ, put our faith in him. As the passage says, it is by faith that we are saved, by, by grace through faith that we are saved. So here we see this gospel. This is what I'm talking about being rooted in the gospel. The gospel shows us our helpless and lost condition. The gospel shows us how great is God's mercy and grace and love. How great it was for us and how great it continues to be toward us. So I, um, I'm convinced that in order for us to develop that mindset of humility, we need to frequently remind ourselves from these truths. It's easy to sort of know them in our head. Unfortunately, we're in a church that preaches the gospel. We hear these truths regularly. We can become a little numb to them. But we need to regularly remind ourselves of these truths. And when we do, that's, the, that's a gateway. That's the doorway to humility. In fact, I would encourage you to develop a habit of reminding yourselves of these truths. A little while back, I heard a, a message, you know, a podcast kind of thing, of, and it was from a conference, and the speaker was, um, whatever his topic was, he was speaking out of Joshua, but he talked about how he was kind of open and honest about some of his struggles, and, and he talked about how he had this habit in the morning when he was getting ready, I think it was like shaving, brushing his teeth, he's standing there in the bathroom with the mirror, and he would have a set of questions that he would ask himself, maybe something along the lines of like, whom do I belong to? It's sort of like a catechism-like thing. He'd ask the question in his mind and answer it just to recenter himself, like, whom do I belong to? I belong to Christ. He purchased me. What was my condition before Christ? This is kind of my, like, I kind of adapted it a little bit and changed some of those questions and been doing that, not completely all the time, but it's really been helpful. So a question you might ask is like, what was my condition before Christ? It takes us back to this passage. I was under the domain of darkness. I was an enemy. I was hostile. I was doing evil deeds. How did I become his? How, how did I become his? He called me. He chose me. He died for me. He rescued me. Sorry, I'll take a drink of water. Maybe that will help. Usually some moment where I do that. So, in, and then, uh, like, what is his disposition toward me? He loves me as his dearly loved son. Who is my life? 
Christ is my life. So you can come up, I, I really encourage you to develop some sort of, you know, um, set up, you know, r- reminder that you incorporate in your daily habit. It may not be the morning time. I think it's a great time. Get out of bed, you know, kind of groggy and getting ready for the day. Like recenter yourself on Christ. I found it so helpful um, to, to do that. It, and it helps soften us. It helps take that edge off some of our natural judgmental on this that where we'll want to look down at people or harbor a, a proud attitude. We remind ourselves, wow, look what I was before Christ rescued me and called me and chose me. So such a habit helps to recenter us and, and reminds us of who we are in Christ. Not just the negative that we were evil and so on, but the positive. Now I'm, as, I'm secure in his love. I'm his. He's with me. He's my life. So think about, you know, if we do that regularly, wow, what, what a difference it, it can make. So that's what I, I think like a habit like that helps us to develop that mindset of humility. But really this passage is talking about clothing, our, clothing ourselves with humility toward one another in relationship. So how do we live this out? How is this practical? Well, one thing is when we notice ourselves with a proud attitude, Obviously, we need to turn from that, but we need something to replace it with, right? We need something to replace it with. I found, for me, a very helpful uh, phrase that just kind of, you know, kind of slaps me a little or helps me get perspective: "Is God be merciful to me, a sinner?" And that's from um, you guys might remember that parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. They go up to the temple to pray. I'm not going to walk through it. I'm kind of paraphrase a little bit. And the Pharisee says he stands up and says, "God, um, thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not an extortioner or adulterer. I'm not like this tax collector over here. I fast. I pray. So on. So there he is. He's proud, praying to God. And the tax collector says, wouldn't even look up." but beat his chest. And then said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So I I found that just resonated with me. Like, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, is a way to just sort of a wake-up call. When I'm heading maybe to be with some extended family, I'm going to be around somebody. I know I struggle with this person. I know I struggle in my attitude. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Just like keep saying it to myself. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You may find another phrase helpful, like, um, I'm a sinner saved by grace, or... Or Christ purchased that that brother or sister, whatever. I I just encourage you to come up with a a strategy, a phrase, something to help you. Because we all have those proud thoughts, those um, condescending thoughts pop up. But we need a strategy to deal with it. Okay, so that's one thing. Another thing is clothing ourselves with humility also involves taking actions of humility toward each other. This is pretty basic, right? Serving one another, that's a great way to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another and bearing each other's burdens. And Mike already covered those um, in our the first part of our one another series. He talked, he went through, uh, you know, serve one another and bear each other's burdens. So if, if you haven't heard those, I encourage you to go back and listen to those. It's on iTunes, on podcasts. You can also go back and look at the live stream. But I, I I'm not going to go in, into that much, but just to exhort us, that's a great way to put humility into action with each other is serving one another. 
But the last thing, and this is kind of closing things out, the last like action, like active thing I'd like to talk about in terms of clothing ourselves with humility is recognizing we need help from each other. Let's think back on that example of Jack Nicholas. I mean, he was very talented and successful. Um, and, but he recognized the need to have someone in his life who could help him with his golf game, someone who could speak truth to him, somebody who could go over the basics with him. He could have been proud easily and thought, I, I don't need any help. I'm, I'm one of the best golfers in the world. Why, why do I need to go, go talk to a coach and ask him to go over my golf game? He was already highly successful, but he showed humility in an area of his life, even where he had great talent and success. I'm, I'm really pr- impressed with that. I don't know what he was like necessarily as a person. I don't really know that much about him, but wow, what a great example um, for us. So for us, we need to develop relationship with trusted, godly friends who can help us to grow, who can help us with, with our struggles, with our challenges, with, with our trials. We really need people in our lives. If you don't have those types of relationships, I encourage you to take initiative to develop such a relationship or relationships. I mean, it takes time, it takes effort, it's not always convenient. Um, and if you're new to the area, um, new, new to our church, or if, if you're just looking to, to establish those types of relationships, we have a lot of things available at the church where you can, in a group setting, get to know some people. And then maybe you, you know, through getting to know like a, uh, a group of people, you start to think, hey, this is somebody I think I could connect with. This is somebody I think could help me grow. We have life groups, we have church-wide events such as a church dinner later today. We have men's ministry events, women's ministry events. And an excellent way of getting to know people is be part of a ministry team, serve in the church over the years. Then Connie and I have found that's a great way to get to know people and develop relationships is through serving. But in in whatever way, um, seek out a relationship with somebody you think could help you spiritually, help you to grow, help you in your life. And then also what we need to do in in, in addition to that is to look for people uh, and develop relationships with somebody that we can help. We get helped and then we look to help others. And that's really uh, what discipleship is. We're getting mentored, we're getting helped, and then we help others. And that's uh, definitely something we're trying to encourage and foster at, at our church, is, is, uh, is getting in discipleship r- relationships. Okay, so going back to our verse, we're to clothe ourselves, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's all intentionally choose humility toward one another. God will help us. Let me pray. Lord, this morning uh, we, we stand, we sit before you, humbled by your grace and mercy. Thank you that you would reach out to us individually and touch us in our sin, in our spiritual death, in our mess. Lord, we'll be forever grateful and praising you. 
Lord, I pray this morning, um, if there's somebody here who's never truly personalized the, those truths of the gospel, who, who hasn't um, put their, their own faith and trust in Christ, who hasn't ever um, acknowledged that need for salvation, I pray for that person. Help them to turn towards you in faith and repentance. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this, uh, for this day. Thank you for this service. We pray these things in your name. Amen.